All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready, Tim? Larry, are you are you live? We're live. So I'm just going to start with like a five to ten minute intro. I didn't get a chance to respond, but yes, I'm ready. Uh, okay. If you like pina coladas, oh, uh. uh, getting caught in the rain. Yep. Yeah. If you like waking up at midnight, yeah. Oh, dropping the gloves with John Scott. Welcome, everybody. We are in a good mood here in Traverse City, Michigan, because I wore my T-shirt for the first day outside today. It's a beautiful day. Winter is gone. We didn't even have a spring. It's summertime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is good in Traverse City. So thank you again for listening. I really, really appreciate all the support. It's getting. Hey, this thing's actually getting really popular. It's crazy. It's taken off. Let's take Tim. It's taken off to the moon, baby. <laughs> so, how was your guys' weeks? Good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The how was your week for his first mountain bike ride last night? I know. Yeah. I got the text a couple days ago. We're going for a mountain bike. You should come. You're getting in training for the Ironman. You big league dust though. And I said I can't do it. Yeah. Sorry, fellas. I got other plans. <laughs> we knew it was a long shot. But. but you guys did a nice mountain bike ride. Tim said he was a little sore today. Yeah, it's good. Shoulders sore. and lats and neck and legs. And he said Everything. muscles he hasn't used before. But it's good. Yeah. The next time I want to join you guys, I got to start training. I actually did. I, I did this event this weekend. I was out in St. John's, Newfoundland. And after one of the games, I was just showering and I caught a glimpse of myself. I'm like, oh, I'm getting out of shape because there was guys there, old pros who are a little bit older than I am. I would say 10 years older than I am. And you get a glimpse into your future. And I was like, man, like Mike Krushelniski's over there and he's kind of let himself go a little bit. And then you have PJ Stock and he's just completely shredded like not an ounce of fat on him and then ally afraidy's over there and he's just like off the rails like great guy but he does not exercise whatsoever so i'm like okay what stage like what what category do i want to put myself in i'm gonna go for pj stock so i got home and last night i was like okay i need to do something i got on the floor put down a blanket did a bunch of sit-ups and a bunch of push-ups and i was just trying to bang out a little ab routine a little push-up routine there you go i felt good about myself and I also like I'm not a good push up guy, so it was it was a good workout for me. So you're basically just ready for this Iron Man now, right? That's call the, good. <laughs> I got a lot of people reaching out. My accountants reached out to me because he's a big uh Iron Man triathlon guy and he's like, use this um routine, I guess, or training method. So I looked it up and it's a ten or twelve week training whatever schedule. I'm gonna start doing it on Monday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Tim, 
I'm doing it. So Let's it's see. like it's a very minimal. I got to buy shoes first for running, and I, he said I need to buy handlebars for my bike so I can lean on and practice with it. And practice with it. And they, everyone says the biggest hurdle for them was coming off of the bike and running. It's like a you're because your legs are all weird from biking. Yeah. I and then to start running. I mean, for 50 miles of just this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And they said, so the first, like, two miles of running is torture until, like, you just get used to it. But then after, you're fine. You guys, So you sent out a tweet the other day about, like, all right, I have an Ironman race in yeah. August. Is it bad that I haven't started training for that yet? And you got a lot of responses. Some I know. Some pretty funny. One was, like, August of what year? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was told by my cousin-in-law i think is that how it works my wife's cousin that you need two solid months of training and he told me that a year ago and that's what i'm really going off of now but i'm gonna start next week which is may 20 something so that'll give me all of may june july so it's three months three and a bit of training three months for a professional athlete i think that's where you're starting from i don't want to overtrain. That's that's my issue. I'm worried about being too shredded. Yeah, yeah because I heard show them up. Oh. People get their muscles get injured because they just overtrain. So I, I'm really trying to just ease into it. Okay, and it's working great. I'm easing into it very easily. I'm just waiting for the water to warm up to start my swimming because I'm not gonna. I don't want to buy a gym membership or a pool membership just because I hate. Are you gonna go right in the bay here? Right in the bay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Just and go from one side back. I'm gonna go to the island and back. Power Island? No, that's for for those of you who don't know. Power Island's like probably three miles away. <laughs> no, I'll just you know ease into it. Okay, ease into it. But anyway, so I went to St. John's. It was a fun trip. Lots of great alumni. The people there were. I always love going to St. John's. It's just like a blast. The people are great. The weather's average, but it's just such a cool historic town, and it was a good time. Um, the tournament was fun. We didn't win many games, but the guys on my team are great. So on the way back was a little tricky i know everyone loves hearing about travel stories but so it was raptors game seven was on and i was flying from st john's to toronto and i was like i, I couldn't watch the game and i'm not paying for internet on the plane and there who was has this, that kind of money right? not me and so there was this guy in front of me who had the internet plan and he kept checking the scores so i was a legit like backseat backseat brian <laughs> Checking over his shoulder, and like, so I was watching the scrum. Like, okay, Raptors are losing, they're losing, they're winning, they're losing. Get off the plane. I was supposed to jump on my next flight to Sioux, Ontario, but luckily it was delayed. I got to sit down in the Toronto airport, watch Kawhi with that Unreal Game Seven. Oh, incredible! I, yeah, bucket. I saw that. That was tight. It was so cool. The whole airport was just like living and dying. I watched the last, I think, ten minutes, and it was cool to be in Toronto and like everyone was so into the Raptors and. The place went nuts when he scored that game-winning shot. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. I was like, this is the terrorist chance right now <laughs> to get into the airport. Game 7, Toronto. <laughs> Just tiptoeing. <by> yeah. <laughs> All the security people were going crazy, and then you see, like, X person walk in the back. Just slinking by in the background. Yeah. Probably a Nazi slinking in the back. <laughs> hey, Tim? Tim? there? Tim, were you in Toronto? Who? <laughs> <laughs> but... There was another issue. I had an issue when I was in St. John's. There, we were at one of these meet and greets. It was a VIP event where the people who, I don't know, pay to meet us or the teams. Some kid comes up to me out of nowhere and goes, I don't think you should have made the All-Star game. Oh. And I'm like, well, like, okay. 
And I just brushed it off. And then he came at me again. He's like, yeah, you didn't deserve to be there. And I'm like, okay. And I, I feel like I have a pretty good kind of, I have patience when it comes to this sort of thing because I went through it and I've lived all that. But he, he came back at a third, a third time and he's like, yeah, there was so many more deserving players. And I was like, okay. And there was people in the circle I was talking to. I said, okay, let's go over here. And I grabbed him <laughs> and we went over to the side and I talked to him and I, I was very calm, but I was upset. I was like, what's your, what's your deal, man? Like what? How old you- was he? I'd say 22, 23. So one of these cocky oh. young kids who just doesn't realize, A, that I'm his elder and he should respect me. B, he doesn't know Jack. <laughs> so he, that, you should shut his mouth for that point. And C, we're at a charity event. Yeah. There's no reason to bring this up to me. I'm getting paid to be there. I'm the celebrity guest. Don't insult me or don't embarrass me in front of everybody. Like, just be cool, man. Like, just, I don't know. So I pulled him aside. I said, listen, kid, I appreciate your opinion. I get it. I don't think I should have been there either, but I don't want to hear it. You keep that to yourself. If you catch me outside of the charity event, if you throw me a DM on uh, Instagram, don't do it at a charity event. I said, it's a pretty junky move to to, say in front of everybody. And he kind of started to backtrack at that, you know, at that moment. He's like, "Oh, you know, I just, I just thought you would appreciate me coming up to you and you know saying that to you." I'm like, "Why would I what? appreciate that? Why <laughs> would I ever that you would love me talking smack right? three different times?" He's like, yeah. "You know, I, I just don't want to like be one of these typical people." I'm like, "Yeah, but you don't have to just be a a, a, a Richard about it." <laughs> I wonder how long he was planning that for. Like on his calendar, he's got it circled. Like, oh, John's coming to this event on the twelfth. Oh, 12th. for sure. Like, all right, I'm gonna practice in front of a mirror. What I'm gonna say to I him? I think the first time I'm gonna go up and just go real soft with it, and then slowly ramp my way until oh, he punches me in the. I face. was just like, "What is your deal, man?" So, other than this one kid, it was a great trip. And I just, you know, it's just it, the old adage: if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't bother saying it. Because yeah, if if he would have caught me. Five years ago, in a bad mood, you would have seen me on TMZ. John Scott arrested for assault in St. John's because I probably would have done something I would have regretted. So, whatever. I, I, I got. I got to ask: Was he like having a little bit to drink? He or? might have been overserved. I don't okay. know, but it was still early enough in the night where I, I doubt it. But <laughs> man, he just had one of those faces too. He's a short kid, slicked back hair, really dark greasy face. I hate him. I think I hate him. <laughs> I don't like him. And I saw him the next day and I just like completely avoided him. I'm like, you lost your chance, buddy. Nice try. But anyway, so that was my trip. So I got here a little early today. I had some time before I had to come up to the office and I just threw down a cameo. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was actually, it was one of my best ones. I, I, it was a kid from Colorado. He was a big ass fan mm-hmm. and his buddy asked me to wish him a happy birthday and they said chirp him for two minutes straight, and so I did. I went on and I chirped Corey for two minutes straight, and it was, I think, one of my best cameos. I really That's enjoyed great. it. I've gotten a bunch this week. It's been super fun. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. I like cameo a lot. So where do people go to get some more from you? Go to go to cameo. Cameo dot com. Is that where they go? It's Sorry. spelled camo with an O on the end. Cameo. How do you spell camel? Camel. C A M E L. Yeah, so cameo is drop the 
Yeah, you got to drop the L first. <laughs> That's Camelo. what I said. Cameo. With, with an O at the end. Camo <laughs> with an O. Camelo. Drop the L, add the O. Cameo. Yeah. Okay. And I'll give you a little, a little greeting or a little congratulations. Larry, do they have any uh, awards for worst ad ever done? <laughs> so we get back to Traverse City and boom. Fantasyland in St. John's is over. Time to focus on what matters. Sharks, Blues, and then the Bruins, and I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Forget about it. I think they're playing some <laughs> junior B team. Yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, so game three was last night. Game three of the Sharks. Sharks, and Blues. Blues. And it happened again. It did. Like, what is happening with the San Jose Sharks? Well, yeah. First of all, I don't remember ever there being this much discussion around the referees in a playoff series. And in, in the entire playoff so far, it's just every round, it seems like there's some call where some team is going to be eliminated because of a call the ref made. They are making series-influencing calls. And yeah. you're right. There was the Kadri hit. There was the no call on Oshi. There was all the ones that involved the Sharks. Yep. It's amazing the amount of penalties and non-penalties that are happening that just affect series so much. Do you think the game's getting too fast for them? I don't think it's that. I think it is just the amount of replay that we have. Yeah. Because if if you think back 15 years ago, there was probably the same calls happening, but there was no cameras or people to pick it up. Right. Like, I'm sure there was a hand pass along the way in the last 75 years that someone was upset about. But now there's, you know, Sportsnet, TSN, NBC, all these people... And countless many bloggers and us and everybody, they everyone catches it and it's like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that it's happened to the Sharks for three straight series, it's it's crazy. People think the league is out to get the Sharks their Stanley Cup. I believe it. <laughs> I don't, I, I believe it. Well, I'm sure there's no collusion, but if you're an outside fan looking in, it's like, well, they've they've gotten three pretty questionable calls in a row. The Hit on Pavelski should not have been a penalty. The no go call was a legit call with the offsides versus the Avs. Landeskog. That oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Tim was having a brain fart. He didn't remember. Never that do. that should have been it was an iffy, iffy penalty because there is that box around the bench where players are exempt. So that could go either way. And then this one was a complete brain fart. Like there's no way this goal should have been allowed. It was an obvious hand pass from Meyer, and I don't know how a the refs didn't see it. It's it was plain as day. He does the karate chop with his hand and hits the puck. It's crazy, especially in overtime. Everyone's watching, but he didn't, and the play resumed, and they scored the goal. The big question is, should that be reviewable? For me, that's that's the really the only question. Like, I don't fault the refs that much. Like we said, the game is fast. Those things happen quickly, especially in overtime. Like, they, they're tired too, right? Um, and to me, it's more a question about should this have been reviewable or not? I don't know. It's I, one of those things. Football went through it, and yeah. now they review everything in football. And it's such a painful sport to watch. They can review pass interference. Can they review pass interference in football? I think they just allowed it. I want to say yes, yeah. It's, I think they can because of what just happened in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the they Saints. just allowed it this year. Yeah. And it's so painful even to watch football to today. I can't imagine what it's going to be like next year. And hockey is getting to that point a little bit with being able to review offsides, 
review all goals. They're thinking about reviewing majors next year. And if they throw in all these minor, like, and then Tukaras was talking about because the puck hit the net in his series yep. and it came down and they scored. So when do you need to just have the human element, you know, like when does it not become human? When do you just sit there and go, okay, we're going to have robots ref the game or just have people sitting in the stands ref the game and if there's a penalty, they blow a whistle or a horn and there's a penalty. Is there a world where maybe just in overtime you're allowed some reviews? Like I don't when think, it actually matters? Or just playoffs? I don't yeah. think you or can do that no. because then One what's the point of the regular season? Okay. You, I, I don't know. I either think you have to all in or just nothing. Okay. Like just I, I liked how it was a few years back, just goals. I don't even like the offsides. That one drives me crazy. I don't like that at all because what's the point of having a ref than a linesman? Like drop the puck? Like I don't I don't understand it. I think you should get rid of the offsides. Just have if it's a goal or not. Review every goal. I'm okay with that. Or what about just like what baseball's doing where you get challenges? Yeah, I guess you could do challenges. I don't know. I guess the Hockey really ha- the hockey has that with the goals already. Where you challenge a goal, you can get something reviewed, and if it's, you lose a timeout, if you, you lose a timeout, wrong. then you get a penalty. Yeah. So why, why wasn't this one eligible? Then because it is not. It doesn't meet the criteria of being oh, reviewable. It has okay. to be uh, goaltender interference. It has to be. It does the puck cross the line, or it has to be an offside. Hmm. It can't be anything else. I hate you can challenge an offside that happened like a minute and a half before Oof. the goal. Um, yeah, and had no effect at all, really, on the play. That that's something. Yeah, you it can't could, challenge yeah. literally the, the hand pass that led to the goal. Yeah, it could have been an offside three zones ago. Yeah, as long as there wasn't oh, a whistle, yep. you can still challenge it. It's bizarre. It I I I know what the league's trying to do. They're trying to make sure all goals are goals and all no goals are no goals. But you have to have that human element. I think that's what the game is all about. And the refs like they make mistakes. And they make mistakes for better or for worse, and that's you know what you what you pay for. That's part of the game. And I know it's hard because everybody can see every play fifteen times. It's like, oh, you cost me the game. But hey, what are you gonna do? It's the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they should get rid of all the replays except for goals. I don't think they should review penalties. I don't think they should review offsides. I think just the goals. Because then it's a slippery slope. If you say, oh, you can review pucks that are hand-passed. You can review pucks off the net. Well, then what What else can't you review? What if referee interference? What if there was too many men on the ice for a second? What like There's so many other things you could review. It's just... And then how far back does it go for that possession? Right. Like, well, that's it, exactly it. Like, Where do you draw right. the line? Yeah. I don't know. It's a very, very, very slippery slope. And I think hockey is... So fast and so entertaining. You want to keep it fast. You don't want to slow it down. You don't want to do anything to just get viewers to turn away for a second because... Especially in the playoffs, right? Especially in the playoffs where everything is amped up by 10. And the last thing you want to do is have a review for like five minutes. Review? A review? So how many playoff... How many years in the NHL did you go to the playoffs? Do you remember? Most of them, um, right? Not most of them. My first, no. well, I was in Buffalo, which we were bad. <laughs> I think five, five, five years I went. Five years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we were talking offline a little bit about this, about how different it is from the regular season, right, as far as, like, injuries guys are playing through and, and the tense, uh, the tempo, obviously. John's playing footsies with me. <laughs> we'll pick that up after the show. Um, <gasps> Tim. <laughs> 
Um, the refs, the refs are calling the game differently. The fans are obviously the energy's di- everything's different, right? Yeah, it's it's a completely different season than the regular season, which is good. Um, there's more at stake, obviously. Veteran play, and that's what it's funny. At the start of the season, you'll notice that the leading scores, they're all guys within the first three or four years of their career, because they come out guns blazing, like they're ready to roll. And then once the season progresses. The more experienced guys, they start to, you know, rise in the standings for the points and this and that. And at the end of the year, it's always the final same five guys in the top five. But there's always guys from the first month who are like, wow, this guy's going to have a great season. But then they die off because it's not sustainable. And players play. They, they gear up to make the playoff push. And they, they know, you know, we can't be diving in front of shots during the regular season. We can't be going into the corner every single time and getting our, you know, brains bashed in. You have to be smart and protect your body and save it for the playoffs. And once the playoffs hit, it's amazing the mindset that that switches. Even with the coaches, even in the locker room, everything just transitions from like, okay, the 82-game regular season, it's like you just persevere. You get through day-to-day. It's like, okay, it's a grind. Here we go. Okay, we have Columbus today. Then we go to the Rangers and the Islanders and Buffalo. You just have to work through and get to the playoffs. That's And then once you get to the playoffs, I don't care what seed you are, it's go time. I remember when we were at the Hawks, we were the eighth seed. We were playing Vancouver first round. There's not a person in our room who are like, oh, we're going to lose. We knew we were going to win because we were the Hawks. And the preparation, both by the coaches and the players, it's amazing. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Just everything gets ratcheted up by 10. I, I was used to practicing with like Taze and Kaner, and they work hard. But then once that first round hits, it's amazing. Like Kaner, like went from like happy go lucky guy. You think maybe he's not checked in all the time. He was completely zoned in. He was one of the first guys at the rink. He was sitting there watching video. He was talking to all the coaches. He's like, okay, who do you want? Who do you want me to match up against? And he was giving them input. Like, okay, so we're playing Vancouver. I want to stay away from this guy or this guy because they check me well. Get me out against this guy because I know I can, you know, do well against him. And you play the, it's like a chess game in hockey, especially in the playoffs because you know you're playing these guys at least four games and there's matchups. Like my coach, they didn't want me out there versus the Sedins. Obviously, I was going to get worked, <laughs> but, you know, put me out there versus some other guys and I, I'm more effective. And it's the same with the skill guys. So it's just cool to watch. Watch the line changes too. It's interesting. If you're a casual fan, you don't notice it. In the regular season, coaches tend to just roll the lines. You know, one through four, not a big deal. In the playoffs, there's so many more line changes. There was times where I would be put out as a bait Mm -hmm. if we were on the road. And so the coach would be like, Johnny, go out there. If they play their fourth line, you change right away and we'll get our first line out. But if they play their second or third line, you could stay. If they play their first line, you get off. So I would go on and I would have to see who comes on the ice. And I'm like, okay, here comes um, whatever. I got to change. And then our first line would stand up and they would get on the ice. And there would be other times where we'd be the home team and our coach would be like, Johnny, stand up like you're going to go on the ice. Or he'd be, he'd be like, get on the ice, take a couple hard strides and come back. And so their coach would see me jump on the ice and be like, okay, fourth line, let's go. And my coach would be like, okay, John, nice job. Get off. And he would put on our first line because you want those matchups. And we would go out and, you know, obviously first line, fourth line, you know what's going to happen. So it's just, it's cool. I don't know. It, 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 unless you're in the room or around it, the atmosphere, just the intensity, there's no joking around. 
everybody's completely locked in before the games. You don't need like a a pick me up speech from the coach. You don't need your raw raw guy to go. Let's go. Let's really you know. Let's let's kick some ass. Like you don't need that. The boys are locked in. You're ready to go. And if you're not, like I don't know if you're not human. It's just really cool. And I know I'm rambling on about it, but it's just one of those things where, man, it just gets the heart pumping. It's really cool. And I can't imagine going to the Stanley Cup Finals or being in a Game 7. It, it just would, like, blow my mind. It's it's so awesome to be in those situations. Yeah, and, like, how much of those like – you're in those intense situations. The pressure's up. Like, you guys know it. Some of it's some of it's spoken. Some of it's just understood, you know, you know, naturally happened, unspoken. How do you guys stay loose and still have fun out there? Like, how do you kind of take the pressure off – you know, in between periods or before games? A lot of the times that has to do with experience. If you've been there, you know how to, you know, ease back a little bit with the intensity. The young guys have a hard time with that. And the coaches play a big part in it. Like in practice, they'll play a game with us or we'll play three on three or they'll they'll throw like a soccer ball out there and say, no sticks, we'll kick the soccer ball around for a while because it can get intense and overwhelming and nerve wracking a lot of time, especially is if you're like in a close series and, one mistake can make or break a game. So it just takes those guys who have been there. You go in the room and it's just like, all right, boys, don't worry. Like we've been here before. I know we're down one. Not a big deal. Like don't worry about it. And then one of the cool ones when I was with the team, our big thing to loosen up the vibe in the room was like talking about what celebrations we were going to do after we scored. <laughs> and so and this was before the NFL celebrations. It was, so we were, we were ahead of our game, but uh, ahead of our time. So it'd be like, okay, well, fine. So I'm, I'm going to do the, uh, you know, NHL 94 where you raise your stick and this and that. And like, I'm going to pick up someone like a baby or this and that. <laughs> so you just talk about the celebrations and that, that was a cool one to break the ice. It gets your mind off of like the, the task at hand or like the intensity that you're going to go into. So, but yeah, there's little things people do. The coaches, the, the older guys, they really steer the ship on that one. Yeah. So, so we, we, uh, you keep. <laughs> What I did? I don't know. I, just I don't know. There's a silence. And, <laughs> I was like, your turn to talk to him. <laughs> Should I? No, go keep now? going. Keep going. It's gold. So I sent out a tweet. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> sent, you sent out a tweet the other night about uh, just teasing this episode. We're gonna be talking about the playoffs, and you know what? What do people want to know about what it's like to play in the playoffs? Um, what What's different? What's the same? So we got a we got a handful of responses. We got a lot actually. Not a handful. A bucket load full of responses. At least one bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Big um, big bucket. <laughs> yeah. Tim so, undersells it. We get like four or five questions. Yeah. We, get a, we have a, this a guy solid 40 is responses. Anthony's really interesting. <laughs> so we got uh, I pulled together some of the some of the most interesting ones I think. Um, so you've been in, in elimination games before, right? What's that what's that how is that different? The preparation, what's the energy like when you know that this could be your last game if you lose tonight? It's all business, like I was saying before. It's you there's nothing to get up for the game for. And you're super nervous. There's butterflies. And you just do whatever you can to win the game. It's crazy. Like you are diving in front of pucks. You're doing all the little things you would never dream of doing in a, like a regular season game. It's just you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose that game. And everybody knows it. You don't need to get up for the game. All the boys are just like, there's no talking. It's like, all right, let's go. Is we're going. We're going to work. Like on the on the half of like, well, if we win, that's awesome. But at the same time, at the end, you know, it's vacation time. Like, I'm not going in home. the playoffs. No, no. Especially, you don't even get paid in the playoffs. Like the paychecks okay. aren't rolling in. So at that point, it's you're playing for pride and you're playing for your team, and 
you want to win. Of course. There's right? nobody yeah. I've ever ran That's across. That's I was hoping for. Good. Nobody I've ever ran across. There, I guess the only time, and I, it was on a team, and the guy wasn't dressing, and I was in and out of the lineup, and he came to me. He's like, oh, it was it was a game seven. He's like, oh, man, I can't wait. We were, <laughs> we were losing. And he's like, oh, fine. I can't wait to go home. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what? what? And then we tied it to go into overtime. And he's like, oh, man. I was like, all right, just get away from yeah, me. Yeah, that guy's got to go. Beat it. <laughs> so, no, nobody is ever like that except for this one. Yeah, I was upset at this guy. So, anyways, yeah, it's it's a completely different mental aspect. All right, let's, let's keep going with the question. All right, Tim. <laughs> um, how does officiating change in the playoffs? It is more, well, this year. Just in general, in your experience. In my experience, it's a lot yeah. more lax. They okay. they get rid of all the rules they called during the regular season, the clutching and grabbing, the hooking. Let the boys play. They let it go a little bit more. But in the playoffs, I feel like they call the score more because they want to keep the game competitive. And they also even out the penalties more in, in the playoffs. So... If if our team gets two, the other team usually gets two. They want to keep it kind of fair. We're in, in the regular season. I don't think they care. They call the game. They call the game. But in the playoffs, they they want the teams to win five on five. They don't want to be the cause of the game, as they have been this year. And that's why there's such an uproar. Mm-hmm. So, I've definitely seen that actually. If a team's already had been shorthanded twice, their their leash is a little longer because the refs don't want to give the other team three power plays to none, right? So oh, for sure. And the guys talk about that. If we if you come out of the first period and you've had three power plays in the room, everyone, even the coach is like, okay, we're getting the next one. Don't give them a reason. You know, keep your sticks on the ice. Don't give them any any half reason to call a penalty because as soon as you lift your stick on a guy's arm, you're getting a hook and call regardless. Right. So don't give them any 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 reason to call a penalty because yeah, they they even it out pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um. What are you laughing at? I thought you were laughing at me again. No, I was breathing. <laughs> Relax. You breathe so weird, John. I know. Uh, OT games. So you've been in some double and triple overtime games. What's it like between those periods? I mean, it's a marathon at that point. You're, you're starting to eat again because it's been hours since you've eaten anything. Like, What's that like in the locker room? What are you guys eating? How do you keep the energy up? It's um, From when I started, when I was a kid in juniors, a triple overtime game, you would eat. Oranges, nothing but oranges. They would run to the grocery store, get oranges and bananas, and that's what you would eat. But as you get older, you get a little more successful. Like in college, you would eat like peanut butter and jellies, and they would have power bars. And then as you got to the AHL, they would have like, well, we can have pickles or meats or whatever you want. Then you get to the NHL, you could literally order pasta, whatever you wanted, hot dogs. But usually the guys, I used to just eat oranges, and I'd eat some power bars and just chug Gatorade as much as you want. I didn't even play that much. But for a guy like Burnsy or Eric Carlson, they're playing sometimes. I think Burnsy played 60 minutes one game. And he's got to be, like, I could see him, like, drinking pickle juice is a big one. Pedialytes are very, very popular now. So anything to keep the fluids in your body, it's just, it's amazing, like, how much fluid you lose in a game. I would play an average game of, what, seven to ten minutes in my uh, later stages of my career. I would lose five pounds a game just playing that little of ice. So I can't imagine playing 60 minutes. You're you got to lose 15 pounds. So you need to, you know, water, Gatorade, Pedialyte, shakes, um, bananas, oranges, anything you can to keep your calories and energy up because it's it literally is a marathon. It's crazy. Do you remember any moments like, especially with the guy like Burns, just who's logging like pretty much playing half the game, where you're in double overtime or something, and just kind of in, in awe of like, how does this guy have anything left in the tank? It just. And I know we've talked about it before, the preparation that goes into that. Yeah. The whole lead up to that, the whole season, the whole off season, 
the guy is a complete machine when it comes to working out. Like mm-hmm. that's why I get so so upset. The playoffs last year with LeBron James when he cramped up in overtime. They play a five minute overtime period in basketball. And this guy was cramping up in the corner, like crying, getting carried off the court. And I'm just like, you are a world class athlete and you're cramping up in a game of basketball where you're only playing like three minutes more than you usually do. Like, give me a break. I had no sympathy for that guy. It's different worlds. Completely. Oh, drives me crazy. Drives me absolutely crazy. And I don't know. And then to you look at a guy like Bernsey or any other NHL player who plays literally 45 to 60 minutes where you're sprinting the whole time. You watch LeBron. He sprints probably like a quarter of the game. He's on the ground. I don't, I don't know why I'm ripping on LeBron right <laughs> <Get> now. Get him. <laughs> Drag him. But that, that really bothered me because, man, hockey players, we don't look like we're in great shape, but especially guys who play a lot, they put – a lot of time and effort into being able to perform at that level for that long. And to be in a three overtime game, it's insane. It's literally like running an Ironman, which I'm going to do at the end of August. <laughs> training so, starts Monday. Training starts Monday. Yep. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, trash talk. Does it, does it go up during the playoffs? Is it, does it change? Does it get more uh, cut right to the heart of people or what? I think it goes down. I think it's easy to trash talk someone when you know you're not going to see them the next day and play them a game after that. But when you know you're going to see these guys, the the average trash talk goes down. But I think certain players are more effective when they can see a player game after game after game. A guy like Marshawn, he is way more effective in a series when you see him every game because he, it's like he picks at a scab. And he's constantly picking your scab, and it's like, get off of me, man! Like, beat it. Look what he's doing to Justin Williams. Oh, man. it's unbelievable! And Justin Williams is like the biggest veteran, yeah, out there, and he's got him completely off his rocker. Yeah, he's talking about poop, eating poop sandwiches. <laughs> I know. Like, what is happening? He's such a professional, but Marshan just got—he's unbelievable. What and, he does, and it's amazing he can still do it because everyone knows, like, right. before a series, like even before a game when we play Boston. Don't talk to Marshan. Let him go. Let him do his thing. Like he's a complete joke when it comes to that. Just let him let him go. Because he gets more effective when he gets a reaction out of you. Right. If you just ignore him, he's not as effective of a player. So it's crazy. But yeah, other guys like my my trash talk I is almost non existent. If if someone comes at me, I would just like you're gonna get it next seven games. Like just heads up. You know, there's nothing you can say. You're in the playoffs. You can't really no one's scared in the playoffs. Like you're going to do anything you you can to win. So one of the things we talked about too is is in the playoffs, guys are just playing through injuries that normally, if this had happened in October, December, they would be on the IR for a couple of weeks maybe. Um, and every time a team gets eliminated, you start hearing about all these other injuries that that are coming up that they tried to play through, and that's why like oh, that's why this player wasn't performing. That's why this guy didn't score. Which makes you think of all the guys that are still in the playoffs that have all these undisclosed injuries that we don't know about yet, right? Yep. So what's what's the worst injury you've seen someone play through in the playoffs? It makes me think of the great story. I don't know if many people have heard it. It's when the Edmonton Oilers were just starting to get into their heyday. They hadn't won a cup yet, but they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals to play the Islanders. And the Islanders, they, they had won three. Islanders, I think they had won three in a row, and this was their fourth. And they, I think they won in four, maybe five. I can't remember. But after the game, I remember there was a story where Messier and Gretzky, they were walking by the Islanders bench to head out to their bus. 
and they they got a peek in their door and they just expected guys to be like guzzling beers and champagne and like huge huge celebrations they said every one of their players was like ice bags they were getting stitched up they were just looked like they had gone through a war and all the Oilers guys were just like completely fine there was no injuries and that's when it clicked they're like this is what we need to do to win a Stanley Cup like these guys look like they had just gone through a war and they're not celebrating. They're just like exhausted because they won the Stanley Cup. And I, I, it's just funny. Guys have so many injuries that you don't even know about. They call it a lower body injury, upper body injury. A lot of times, no one even talks about it. And the worst one I've seen, like there's the ACL, MCL tears that are usual. When I was playing, gosh, someone had a completely separated shoulder where they had to get a harness and tape it in to where... The shoulder couldn't move that much, and they literally just anytime they got hit, their shoulder felt like it was ripping off their socket, and they played that way for two rounds. I can't remember the person's name, man. But yeah, separated shoulders, knees are a big one. Broken foots are common. The tord, you know what a tordal shot is. So when you're injured, you get a, sh- a shot in your back. It's a tordal shot, and it kind of relieves pain for a certain amount of time. And during the regular season, guys don't usually get them. In the playoffs, there's a lineup around the corner for guys to get Toradol shots. <laughs> wow. Because, like, backs and knees and hands and everything is just – it's amazing. I, is it like a numbing agent? Or? Yeah. Okay. And so it just – yeah. There's there's injuries. Then you see the surgery report after the, after the season. It's just half the team goes in for surgery. Do you remember any moments, especially, you know, in the beginning of your career when you're in the playoffs, you're seeing some of the veterans and leaders of a team and you kind of realize they're, what they're playing through and you kind of realize, okay, playoffs are different. Like, it probably inspires you a little bit, gets you, gets you fired up to realize this guy's in so much pain, he's leading us out in the ice for the third period kind of thing. Yeah, when I was with the Rangers, I remember Lunkfist, he was hurting bad. And we were going into the third round and I th- he had a bad knee, his elbow was all inflamed. He would get undressed after games and he would have bruises all over his body. And he would just sit in the ice bath for hours. I'm like, man, like this guy is unbelievable. And every game he'd strap it up. Every practice he'd be out there taking shots. And I'm just like, this is like at another level of how much commitment and passion you have for the game because it's crazy the stuff that these guys go through. I, I, I can't even put myself in that situation because I wasn't able to be in that situation. I was there, but man, I was not like I didn't play in the third period in most games. I was like, that I wasn't good enough. And these guys, like the Jumbos, the Jonathan Tays, the Patrick Sharps, the Patrick Canes, like they are like going through war year after year after year. It's cool. I don't think they get the acknowledgement that they should because, man, they just get beat every single game. Before a series, the coach would be like, go after this guy. Run him through the boards. Get, take him off the game. And they just get their bodies destroyed every single game. And they're just out there the very next day. It's crazy. No, they're, they're men, LeBron James. LeBron gets his finger jammed, and he's out for a week. I wonder if great. LeBron listens to the podcast. Oh, I think he does. You might be hearing from yeah. him. I think he does. I, I can see, like, what, remember that like uh, article they wrote of the podcast a while ago, but this time. But Tortorella. John yeah. Scott drags LeBron. <laughs> thrashes LeBron. Him, scathing yeah. interview about LeBron. Well, whatever. He's heard it all. So speaking oh, yeah. of Jumbo, it's pretty cool to see what he's doing, right? Two goals last night. Two goals. Unbelievable. I know. He's going to be 40 in a couple weeks, right? Is he the con Smythe if they win the playoffs? If they win it all? Right now, the answer is no. It's going to be Hurdle or Couture. 
but I could see yeah. Jumbo making a push for it if he continues to play the way he does. If he does, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really, really cool story, and I hope I hope they keep it rolling. Oh. What a dream. And then they'll play um, the Bruins, because I think the Bruins are off right now. They're up 3 nothing. They got a bye, I think, to the finals, and they're just playing inter-squad games. I think yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah, I wonder, you know, if they sweep tonight, today's Thursday, if they sweep tonight... What what is that week in between like? If the other series goes seven, what do they do? They do as much as they can to kind of stay physical and sharp. It's it's very very hard. Yeah, because you're be. just sitting around waiting, and you get out of that intense playoff mode, and you you you'll play inter squad games. Maybe they'll go down. I don't know if your AHL team is still playing. You could scrimmage with them. You just do whatever you can. The coach will, you know, vary their physical practices. They'll they'll do battle drills one day or this and that, but. If they do get a break, that's good for Chara and uh, Bergeron and all those guys because they're not spring chickens anymore. No. And who do you think, uh, when they're watching the other series in the West, who do you think they'd rather play? <sighs> they're s- San Jose and St. Louis, they're so even teams. Like, they're very similar. I think they would, honestly, I think they'd probably much rather play St. Louis. That's just my opinion. I think San Jose has a stronger defense and they have a scarier group of forwards. That's just my opinion. And I am not just doing that because I'm a big Sharks fan, but I, I do think San Jose is a scarier team on paper and on the ice to play against. Even though St. Louis's goalie probably is a little bit better, but the Bruins will have that advantage either either team they play because Rask is playing lights out right now. He's unbelievable, best hockey of his career right now. But what? But in his defense, I think the Hurricanes are playing with plastic like little kids road hockey sticks. <laughs> It is so kind of crazy. it's so sad. Ugh. They're running power plays and just shooting at his, at his chest, and it's just it's crazy. It's an it's just I don't know NHL. Like if if there really is collusion, that is a main argument. How there's not collusion, right? Because nobody wants to watch the Hurricanes. Nobody. <laughs> it's it's Larry even doesn't want to watch him. Larry doesn't watch hockey. I've been starting to. Nice. So ever since you guys made me grab a microphone, I don't want to sound like too much of it. He's acting tell. like we forced him to have a I microphone know. in his face. I love it. For the last three months, he's like, we need to get three microphones. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Hey, Charles, I have this cool idea. What if yeah. maybe I... <laughs> what if I talked? So it, it was a good week. I'm looking forward to the Stanley Cup Finals. I, I think we're in that period where I don't want to watch the Bruins Hurricanes. I want the Sharks to make it, and I want to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Jumbo versus the Bruins, his ex-team, making him eat crow a little bit, raising the cup at the Garden. How cool would that be? I wouldn't even really be mad. And you're a Boston guy. I am. It's, just, it's a win-win if, if those two teams go. It is a win-win. But, but only if San Bruins, Jose wins. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Bruins, I think they win. I think they're going to win. Win Regardless what? what they play. Really? Yep. You heard it here first. Tim is a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> Dropping the gloves. <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Dropping the gloves with John Scott and Tim W. And Larry L. Love it. See you, everybody. <laughs>